we uh, put our verses up on the screen to help you. But I always love for you to bring your Bible so you can underline things. I would encourage you to jot some notes down. I think that uh, it will help you to remember some things. Someone said that a short pencil is better than a long memory. And so uh, I want you to take your Bible and turn to two places as we begin this morning. Proverbs chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 55, those two places. Proverbs chapter 4 and Isaiah chapter 55. In uh, recent years, I've read uh, a couple of books on habits. Uh, they were on the bestseller books uh, uh, list, and I thought, well, I'll read those. I probably need them. And I did. Someone said one time that we are a, a compilation of our habits. And I, I suppose that that is true. And I am a, a person of habits. I, I'm sad that my wife is in here this morning because she, she knows that for, for good or worse. Uh, where I leave things, my schedule, uh, the way I do things, I am as predictable as can be. Uh, now, I would say I'm steady and I'm consistent. I, I would say it on the virtue side, you know. Uh, when we go to the restaurant, she could order my food. Uh, I'm just real, real predictable and steady. I, I'm a man of character. Uh, I, yeah, yes. I really, I do it to keep my life simple. Uh, that's the truth. I, I don't want to, to have all of that stuff before me because I have a whole lot of other things uh, going on. But there are, are some habits in my life that uh, that God has used um, that have been are not transactional but transformative, and and these habits have, have God has blessed in an exponential way. Uh, there are things that He told me to do, and I said yes, I'll do that because you told me. Well, once I, I got involved with that, I, I began to realize that wow, this this is this is incredible. One of those was my time alone with the Lord. Uh, one of the patterns I used for that was Mark one thirty five, uh, where the Bible says Jesus, uh, when it was early in the day, he went out and he sought a place and he prayed, and um, and so for for decades and decades I've had a a time alone with the Lord, a daily time when I meet God, and those components have remained the same. I found something that worked for me, and uh, different. Ways work for different people, but the components need to be the same. The Word of God and prayer, memorization, meditation, and confession, and so forth. And that has transformed my life. And then another thing that uh, maybe is not in the Bible, but uh, that has helped me a habit of decades is the way that I prepare my messages. Uh, It's just real predictable. Um, I I don't... uh, uh, this message I'm giving you today, I have prepared for uh, for months. I, I don't mean just the same message, but just kind of like Chinese torture, you know, drip, 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 drip. Uh, just a little bit at a time, just a piecemeal at a time. Now, that's for me. Other people do it different ways. But I found for me that if I could think about it and process it and meditate upon it, that the text begins to open up, and it was just helpful to me, and I discovered that years ago. 
And then another habit, and I want to talk to you about this this morning, is just uh, making wisdom a priority and a primary pursuit in my life. Uh, I don't know when this happened. I, I was thinking about this this past week. But uh, early in my life, I decided that I wanted to, to seek wisdom. And not so I could be a smart aleck, but I, I didn't want to be an ignorant person. I don't mean knowledge uh, as such, but wisdom. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And I want to talk to you again this morning on, on how to grow, how to grow in wisdom. Now, two weeks ago, we had a guest speaker last week, but I emphasize that wisdom is a worthy pursuit. It's one of the most valuable commodities that a Christian can have in his life. Now, there is a worldly wisdom, and there is wisdom that uh, people can have that are not Christians. But there is a godly wisdom. There is an essence of wisdom that only Christians can have, and it's the core of wisdom. And the reason that many people that do not have wisdom as believers is we don't pursue it. And the reason, listen, the reason we do not pursue it is we don't pursue the things we do not value. And that's why last week I began, uh, or two weeks ago, I began as we talked about how to grow in wisdom. Before you're going to grow in something, you have to appreciate it. You have to pursue it. And so I talked to you about the, the value of it. The Bible talked about it's, it's more precious than rubies. It's more precious than diamonds. And that uh, you need to pursue this matter of wisdom. Every day I need wisdom. In fact, more, more than daily, several times a day. And I find myself even subconsciously uh, sometimes crying out to God uh, to help me. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, Paula will say, um, just say, uh, what did you say? And I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, I was talking to myself. And sometimes I'll just be honest with her and I'll say I was praying. But I don't go around the house praying to be sanctimonious. When I do that, the, the, the burden in my heart is so deep and it's so, so heavy that I, I find that the utterance of my heart comes to a quiet whisper or, or to where I think that I'm not talking to anyone, but I find out that I'm talking to God. And typically, I'm not making a request for a personal need, but I'm asking him for, I, I need some help. I don't know what to do. And, and I need your wisdom on this. But you'll never pursue wisdom until you value it. Wisdom should be one of our highest values. I ask you to turn to uh, Proverbs 4. You have in your uh, little bulletin there that was given to you a, a memory verse, and it's that verse. It's Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. Would you look at that with me? Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7, a great verse to memorize and look at it. We're going to read it twice. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get wisdom. Now, this is the word of God. These are the words of God. This is your creator. This is your designer speaking to you. God says, now this is the principle of life. The word principle there means first. It means first in time, place, order, and rank. It means this is the first place. You know, what's, you know what ought to be priority in your life? Here it is. Wisdom is the principal thing. 
Wisdom is the priority. This is first in rank, first in time, first in place. Wisdom is the priority thing. It's the first thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get wisdom. Now, if you don't have wisdom this morning, you're willing to live without it. And if you're willing to live without it, then, then you're going to pay for it. And I have paid for it in the past. And it's because it's not a priority. It's because you're not pursuing it. You're willing to live with your own common sense, with your own values, with your own wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Now, we defined it a couple of weeks ago. Let's do it again. Well, it's not having a high IQ. It's not common intelligence. It's not even common sense. It's not being uh, a National Merit Scholarship finalist. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not wisdom. You can be intelligent and not have wisdom. I told you, I think two weeks ago, that a lot of people that are intelligent, they just know how to sin more creatively. Wisdom is having God's perspective on life. It's seeing life from God's perspective. That's what wisdom is. But wisdom is not only seeing life from God's perspective. The Hebrew word, and the word is used in the book of Proverbs over and over again, it it has this idea. It has the idea of skill. And here's, here's the skill. It is the ability to apply knowledge in a specific way. It's not just where your head is full of facts, but it's where you have insight. It's where you're able to, to see things. It's where you're able to repair things. When I say repair, I just don't mean mechanics. It's where you're able to help people where you're able to counsel, where you're able to say things and not say things, sometimes where you need to be quiet right now, that's wisdom. You read Proverbs, it's full of it. I challenged you two weeks ago to read the book of Proverbs and look for the word wise and look for the word fool and find out what they do and what they don't do, how they behave. A lack of wisdom is costly. People that... uh, Here's the thing, people that don't have wisdom usually don't know it because they think they're, they're smart. And so they just behave out of their paradigm. And by the way, people, listen, people that do have wisdom often don't know it because they're humble. It's like this, the, whoever the best Christian is in this room, they, they don't know who they are because they don't think they're a good Christian. And whoever the wisest person is in this room, they don't know it because they're not obsessed with being wise. They're obsessed with walking with God. We'll talk about that in just a moment. There are several Hebrew words in the Old Testament for the word fool. And uh, we get the word stupid from it. But uh, that's the word we use. But that's not what is translated in, in, in the Old Testament. But it has the idea of destruction. It has the idea of being stubborn. It has the idea of what is, what is opposite of healthy. And when we, when we are, are morally stupid, when we are absent wisdom, we have the scars to prove it. Listen, when, when you are an unwise husband, you're going to pay for it in your marriage. 
When you're an unwise wife and an unwise mother, you're going to pay for it in the home. When you're an unwise boss or an unwise pastor, you're going to pay for it. When you're an unwise leader, some of you work for them. And and here's the thing, people that don't have wisdom, they don't know it. And that's why at the outset here, I want to, to define this. Because people that live without wisdom, their problems increase exponentially. And then they wake up one day and they say, I have all these problems. What happened? Because you've been operating with that wisdom for so long. This is, that's why in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7 says, wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get understanding. First, you need to pursue this. It's critical. God wants his people to have wisdom, but they must value it. And not be content just to live in their own ways and follow their own wisdom and their own way of thinking. Now, one of the great obstacles, I'm not opposed to education, but one of the great obstacles to wisdom sometimes is education. Because what happens is is our way of thinking goes cross-grain with God's way of thinking. Let me illustrate this. We are taught that if you want to get, you have to keep. This is our old nature. And so we're taught that, and it's reinforced. Well, if you want to get promoted, you become selfish. God says, no, that's not true. If you want to to receive, you give. If you want to get promoted, you, you promote others. You forget about yourself. The way up is down. The way to live is to die. Except a corner of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. You become a lonely person. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Quit thinking about yourself. Brother Sam last week in Sunday school talked about self-esteem. And it went cross-grain against what the world talks about. And that's why in the Word of God is, is found wisdom. And God has saved us. Listen, God has saved us not just from hell, and thank God He has. But He saved us from ourselves. And part of that deliverance, the word saved means to deliver. That's why I, I define words a lot, because we traffic in vocabulary so much, we, we just assign our own definitions to it. We've been saved. The word saved means to deliver from. We're not just delivered from the lake of fire. We're delivered from ourselves. And in bondage to to wrong thinking. And God has wisdom available for you where you can live a life where you can reduce. You'll never get rid of all of it because of your, your own flesh. But your limited perspective and all of these conflicts in your family, with your spouse, with your children which is the essence of worldly thinking, is conflict because of a lack of wisdom and foolishness. I was talking to someone, you don't know them, they're not in our church, I wouldn't betray anyone, but uh, recently, and uh, on the phone, and they said, Rick, I've been such a fool. I've been such a fool. I've hurt so many people. I've lived like a fool. And while I was talking with them on the phone, I, I began to try to encourage them and try to help them put the pieces of their, their life together. 
this morning as I was praying and and going through this and asking God to help me because this is this is so heavy upon my heart, the urgency and, and the, the vitality. This is not just a sermon. This is your life. Some of you are going to ruin your life because of a lack of wisdom. And I thought how many times in my life I've pl- I have played the fool because of a lack of wisdom. But God has been merciful. He's been kind to me. And I thank God for, for his word and for preachers and teachers and a mom and dad who invested in me and confronted me with the words of God and a dad who, who went to high school and went to college on a football scholarship and realized that he loved football more than he loved school and said, I, I really am not interested in college, but I want to come home. And he came home and and uh, never went to but a couple of weeks of college. But my dad had a, had a heart full of wisdom. He was a very wise man. My mom wanted to go to school, and she enrolled in UAH and went for about a year and a half. And I can remember her going to school, going to working all day, and then going. We lived a couple of streets away from Butler High School, not far from UAH, and she would go there at night, going to night school, not understanding as a young teenager all the, the stress and, the, and the, the fatigue and the financial layout and the energy so she could get her degree. And she couldn't do it. She just couldn't do it with the energy and the time. But she had a lot of wisdom. I'm not anti-education. Please don't think that. I'm not. But I don't want you to think that, that these wells that, that the world sometimes edifies and builds, and that, well, that's, where you get, that's where you get wisdom. It's not. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. I remember when one of my kids was in one of the local community colleges, and uh, it was their freshman year, and uh, it was Psych 101. And they had their textbook, which were different now. It wasn't bound. It was a big, thick textbook. Their pages were kind of in a uh, wire-bound notebook. I went and sat down in the bedroom. I said, okay, let's, let's look at this. I went back in the index and looked up some topics and turned to the pages. I began to read sections. I said, I said do you see anything wrong with that? She said, oh, Yeah. Well, let's look at some more. We spent about 25 or 30 minutes. She said, Daddy, how did you know all that was in there? I said, well, there's more. I said, in fact, about a third or half of that book is like that. You, you need to ignore about most of what the teacher says if they believe that. But most of that book is like that. And she said, well, how did you know that? I said, well, I had, I had Psych 101. I said, there's... The word psychology comes from the word sukos, which is the word soul. And the greatest psychology book is, is the Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, says the Bible, the Bible speaks right to the soul. And I say, when you know the word of God, when you know the Bible, it works as a filter. So sometimes immediately you'll know, well, here's what's wrong with that. But I said, but other times... 
At other times, you'll say, something, something's not right with that. In fact, sometimes you'll hear pre- you will hear preachers preach when you know the Bible. Say, something's not right with that because you know the Bible. Oh, get your wisdom from God. Become so familiar with the Word of God and the God of the Word that you know Him. Because if you don't, you're looking for exponential conflict in your life from the world, from the flesh, from the enemy, from the devil. I ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Would you look there with me, please? Isaiah chapter 55. And notice in verse 6, a very interesting passage here. I'm going to misquote it on purpose or just change a word. Isaiah 55, notice in verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his sin and the unrighteous man his iniquity. Now, I I misquoted it, didn't I? It doesn't say, let the wicked forsake his sin and the righteous man his iniquity. It doesn't say that, does it? Now, it could say that, and it does say that, not directly, but indirectly in other places. It says, let the wicked man, let the wicked forsake his way. Isn't that interesting? And the righteous man forsake his thoughts. Now, the word way there... I've taught you this before, means a path, a road. It has the idea of a highway. It means your journey in life. Here's what it means. Let the wicked forsake his pathway, his journey. Now, it includes your sin, but it's the consequences of your sin is what he's saying. Yeah, he wants you to forsake your sin. But he's saying, look at at what sin has constructed here. How do you get on that pathway? Well, he tells you in the next line there, in the unrighteous man, his thoughts. My thoughts have gotten me on this highway, or my wisdom. Can I use that way? My way of thinking. My thinking has gotten me on this path. And I cannot, I cannot forsake this path, this house, this mess I'm in, this conflict I'm in. Unless I forsake my thoughts. And here's where God's wisdom comes in. Look in the next verse, verse 7. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy to him, to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts, look at this, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. And remember the the word highway, the word path, that's that idea. Uh, No, you're, 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 you're... means your highway is not my highway. Your way of thinking is not mine. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. You cannot understand God's ways with the natural mind. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. The home is under attack today. The Bible teaches that the man is the leader of the home. That's what the Bible says. Now, there are reasons for that. It's under, attack, it's under attack in the church, under strong attack in many churches today. Yeah, but look, here's what the Bible says. 
This is what the Bible teaches. And this is the role of a wife. This is the role of a child in the home. And these and the thoughts of the world go against this. And there's a whole other path that's being constructed today. I, I was reading Twitter this past week and and what some religious leaders are thinking and, and what some preachers are saying. And it's troubling. They're rejecting the Word of God. They're rejecting the wisdom of God. And I'm going to tell you, when you reject God's thoughts, you don't get God's results. You get confusion. You get conflict. If finding God's wisdom is so critical, why do so few of God's people have it? Because they're not desperate for it. We have listened to the wrong voices and we're content to live without it. Now, here's my, my idea, and then I want to give you some application. Wisdom comes to people that are desperate for it. That's my idea for this message. Wisdom comes to people that are desperate. Now, some of you are desperate, but you're not desperate enough. You've got to go to the right source. Every person should value wisdom because of the benefits it brings in every area of life. Now, I want to give this morning, as I'm able to, six benefits of wisdom that God has given to us. Number one, those in God's will need wisdom. People in God's will need wisdom. If you want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, you can turn there. And the Bible talks to us about the will of God and wisdom. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. See then that you walk circumspectly. Now look at this. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding. Look at this. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Here in this passage, he talks to us about the will of God, but he also talks about to us about about time. Now, there's three important phrases there I want to highlight, three important words. First of all, is the word redeeming in verse 16, redeeming the time. Now, how do you redeem time? The word redeem means to purchase. It means to buy. It has the idea of paying a ransom to rescue something from loss. It means to gain an opportunity. Here, here's the way I, I've always used this idea to redeem time. It means to get a good bargain for something, to get an exchange. You know, Paula, I'd love for Paula to go shopping and come home and show me how she saved me money. And say, you know, this, this was 25% off and uh, 50% off. And so she, she got a good exchange for that. And that's, that's the idea there, to redeem the time, to make sure what are you getting in exchange for your minutes. You see, money, money, budgeting time is just like budgeting money. You're getting an exchange for your time this morning. Now, let me, let me be transparent with you. If I'm sitting in a church service, now this is me and maybe you're bored this morning. But if I'm sitting in a church service and I feel like the pastor hasn't studied, I get really upset. 
If I'm listening to a man and he's just shooting from his hip and he hasn't prepared, and my, my wife knows this, I get really upset. You have wasted my time because I could have gone somewhere else. And you say, preacher, you shouldn't be like that. Well, I know that. Maybe it's because of the way that I prepare stuff. And I'm not talking about that it's not me. I'd rather hear somebody more interesting than me. But doggone prepare something. What have you been doing all week? Especially if you're paid. The church paid you. They paid you to study. You need to put your bottom in the seat and, and, and do diligence with it. Redeeming the time. Now, what are you getting in exchange for your time? Redeeming the time. The second word is the word, verse 17, understanding. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. There is a relationship with your time and the will of God. In understanding the will of God. Now, don't don't lose me. If you do not redeem your time, you're not going to understand what the will of God is. That's what he's saying here. In fact, here's what he says. Look at this. You're, you're going to be unwise. He says, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And the reason you've been unwise, because of what he says in verse 15, because you haven't walked circumspectly, but as a fool. And you have not redeemed your time. And so you don't understand the will of the Lord. And now the last expression is in verse 15, to walk circumspectly. Circumspectly is, is a compound word. Spec means, comes from the word spectacle. It means to see. Circum, circumference means around. And it means, the word, the word circumspectly means, it means to pay attention, to pay close attention. It means I'm walking with careful attention. Many years ago, I read a, a commentary by John Phillips, and he had the best uh, idea on this. He, he talked about a, a cat. He said he was in England, and he saw a cat on top of a wall. And he said uh, on top of the wall, they had littered, and they do this in the Dominican Republic too, they literally put glass on top, rather than barbed wire in some places, they'll put glass embedded in places uh, on top of the walls to keep people from coming over the wall. So it's almost like barbed wire, but put glass up there. And so the <laughs> Philip said, I was watching that cat, and he said that cat was just intentionally putting his paws going along the top of that wall to avoid the glass on that wall, on top of the wall. And he said, I thought of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, about walking circumspectly, paying attention. That's what that verse, that's that idea of that verse, walking circumspectly. Now, the word walk is used oftentimes in the book of Ephesians, and it's one of the most important words in the book. And walking circumspectly, now listen to me, the way, the way you redeem your time is on a daily basis is you walk circumspectly. Now, this is not having a schedule for the day. This is not planning your time. This is not having an organized schedule. That's a good thing to do. But because the Bible says redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Bible says on a daily basis that I'm walking circumspectly and I'm asking God to help me where to put my steps. And stay with me. We're talking about 
being in the will of God because this is wisdom. Okay, what am I supposed to do with the next step? I've got my head on a swivel. I'm looking around. This is where my step goes. I'm avoiding that landmine. This is where my step goes. I have a daily schedule, but this is where my step goes. This is, and the Holy Spirit helps you with this. You know, it's interesting <clears throat> here in this passage when he gives you in verse 17, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The very next verse talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you know, look, how do you know which is your next step? Well, sometimes it's clearly given to us in the Word of God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit tells you, don't go there. And you have a prompting from God. This is why some of you are not wise. And this is the will of God. The way you're in the will of God tomorrow is you're in the will of God today. This is not rocket science. This is not spooky. If you do right today, you'll, you'll be okay tomorrow. And if you'll do okay tomorrow, you'll, you'll be okay the next day. This is wisdom. This is simple. Just teach your children to do good today. To walk circumspectly. Come back to that in a moment. Notice in... Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, when Paul prayed for his friends, his church at Colossae, what he prayed, he said, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire, look at this, that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, look at this, in spiritual understanding. You see that? You see this prayer that he prayed for them, that they might know the will of God, but he connects the idea of wisdom with the will of God. Because the more wisdom I have, the more insight I have, and the more insight I have, the more insight I have in the will of God. Walking circumspectly, this is huge. Understanding what the will of God is. Now, this is part of your Christian witness. This helps you in evangelism. Did you know that lost people have higher standards for you than you do? And some of your lost friends have higher standards for you than they do. In other words, they can have certain behaviors, but you can't. And so this is more than just you being in the will of God. This is about you even having a testimony. In other words, it's not just, I will be a witness this week. How about just walking circumspectly? Well, I better not say that. I better not respond. They just walk circumspectly. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5, The Bible says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Toward them that are without speaks of lost people. means people that are without the faith. And the Bible says we're to walk in wisdom toward them. And we're we're to get a good exchange for our time in a godly way. To walk circumspectly. To redeem the time. To make sure that, God, what what do you want me to do with this next step? That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, to avoid all appearance of evil. Not just what's wrong, but what looks wrong. 
avoid all appearance of evil because I'm walking circumspectly. I'm, I'm looking around. This is not my planner. It's not wrong to have a planner. Some of you may use a three of a five card. You may use a day timer. You may use whatever. That helps you. Those things have helped me forever. But but sometimes things bump into you. Some Something pulls over you in front of track. Things happen during the day. You have to walk circumspectly. And this is the way you understand the will of God, not with your planner. You can't plan a crisis. You can't plan spirituality. Three things in this verse. Wisdom is attentive. He says in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. See then. Has the idea of, of identifying opportunity. See then. Being attentive. In other words, on, on before I'm walking circumspectly, I've got to see then, okay? I'm getting up this morning. Lord, help me to walk circumspectly. I'm going to be in your will. Give, give me wisdom. I don't want to be a fool today. I don't want to step on bombs. Help me to walk circumspectly at work. Wisdom is attentive. Secondly, wisdom is intentional. Verse 16, redeeming the time. It's intentional. You don't, you don't drift into obedience. You don't drift into, into walk, walking circumspectly. It's intentional. You're, you're looking at these things, okay? Walking circumspectly. When I walk into church, when I walk into church, I'm looking for two things, Okay? I'm not looking for my friends, and that may hurt you. But I would suggest this to you. When I come in here on a Sunday morning, I'm not looking for my friends. You're on the bottom of my list. I'm walking circumspectly. You know what I'm looking for? Number one, I'm looking for hurting people. I'm looking for people with broken hearts. Number two, I'm looking for new people. People I've never met before. And then thirdly, I'm looking for you. Now, if you're one of those people, you fit in. You know what most of us do? We're looking for the familiar. Oh, how's your week been? And all around you are broken people or new people. And you haven't taken the time to say, how are you doing? Where are you from? Where do you work at? Are you from Huntsville? How did you end up here? And you've never learned how to have a conversation with someone because you're over here talking to your friends. Because you don't walk circumspect. There's no intentionality to it. And can I say this? There's no wisdom in that. And here's what happens. A church is friendly, but a church it's a church that, where people can't make friends. There's a difference. We have a friendly church. That just means people wave at you. You have to walk circumspectly. You have to be intentional. When I come to church, what am I looking for? Now, I want to be friendly to everybody, but I'm looking for people. I'm looking for specific people. People with their heads down. Maybe people I know really well, but something's wrong with them. You okay? Sometimes I just talk to two people on a Sunday. Many years ago, <clears throat> I stood at the back and I shook hands. 
as people went out. And then I found that some people were weeping and they wanted to talk to me and they just went on by. I thought, well, this is, this is not healthy. And so I, I stood around here and I ministered to people. And then if I could, I would go back and I would find them. And that's why I don't do that, if you've ever wondered. I walk circumspectly. There's a reason. I'm very intentional about what I do. Walk circumspectly. Thirdly, in this regard, wisdom is rewarded. You know what the reward of walking circumspectly is? Of seeing then? Is you understand what the will of the Lord is. That's what he says there in verse 17. As you listen to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, and you're just intentional about this, do you know what happens? You don't find the will of God. The will of God finds you. You don't have to say, oh, God, show me your will. Oh, God, you don't have to do that. The will of God just shows up in your lap. You see, Oh, Rick, seriously? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just are in the will of God. Let me give you a verse. I'm so glad Brother Tim intimated this at the outset of the service. In Psalm 111 and verse 10, look at it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Your relationship, your knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. Now, I want you to pause and think about that. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. It doesn't say you understand and then you do them. It says when you obey God's commandments, you understand them. People that have wisdom are people of of obedience. They're just on a swivel. They're just walking circumspectly. God, I'm walking with you today. Intentionally, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to serve? How do you want me to live? And they're in the will of God. And they do it the next day and they're in the will of God. And they wake up one day and they're 60, how old am I? 63. And they're in the will of God. There's nothing spooky about it. Let me give you a couple of verses. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that she should abstain from fornication. You know what the will of God is? My sanctification. And part of that is abstaining from fornication, that I be morally pure. Okay, all right, well, then I need to walk circumspectly, so I need to be sanctified. And if I will sanctify myself, of course, God has to do the sanctifying part, but I have a role in it. God wants me to do some things. He's a sanctifier. That means to be Christ-like. And he doesn't want me to be morally impure. This is the will of God. Guess what? I'm in the will of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what the Bible teaches there? It's not God's will for me to be a grump. God says it's, it's, my will, it's God's will for me to be thankful. It's God's will for me to be grateful. This is God's will for me. 
And every day, you can find a lot of verses. In fact, there's six that I know that are like that in the Bible. And every day, every day, you walk circumspectly. Every day, just walk circumspectly. And then one day, you just understand the will of God. You're, you're not a fool about the will of God, but you're wise. You're wise. And you're doing what God has called you to do. Now, this is one reason why that adversity comes into our life. Because we begin to do our own thing. And consequences begin to come. Our wisdom wisdom begins to shrink up. And foolishness, wrong choices begin to bear seeds. And then all of a sudden trouble shows up. Psalm 107 and verse 27, the Bible says of us when we do this, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. Look at this, and are at their wit's end. And are at their wit's end. Because trouble humbles us. And we realize finally how limited our resources are. And we say, God, I cannot do this. I'm at my wit's end. And I should have put the next verse up there where the Bible says they begin to cry out to God for help. And I've been there. Have you ever been there? Because people in God's will need his wisdom. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, the way you do that is you just you walk circumspectly. I'm not going to finish this. Let me give you one more. I'll let you go. Those doing God's work need wisdom. People doing God's work need wisdom. Now, if you do any kind of work, you need wisdom. But the Bible especially attaches wisdom to people that are involved in the work of God. In Exodus chapter 28, the Bible talks about them preparing the tabernacle in the wilderness and also some of the uh, items needed to serve in the tabernacle. In Exodus 28.3, the Bible says, And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, notice this, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him. Look at this. That he may minister unto me in the priest's office. You see that? God says, Speak unto all them that are wise-hearted, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And the Bible says, God says, I have filled them with the spirit of wisdom. Now, those two words, wise-hearted, are used seven times, all in the book of Exodus, concerning the building of the tabernacle and the people that made the things in the tabernacle. Now, what I want you to notice here, track with me, is before that wisdom is an action it, and seen externally, it's a character quality. It's, in, it's internal. It's a gift from God. And here, here are men that are doing what some people would call common labor. And stay with me. But it's important work, and God has highlighted it. You know, there's some of you at church here and you do, you do work that is not visible. 
you don't you don't preach, you don't teach a Sunday school class, and you think that you're not important, and that's not true. That's not true. It won't be true at the judgment seat of Christ. And I want you to listen carefully. It takes just as much wisdom to run that soundboard back there and to run the PowerPoint and everything that we do here as it does for me to prepare a message, for me to do what I do, just as much. It takes just as much wisdom for the people that help run the the underpinnings of this church that you never see as it does for Brother Tim to get up and to do his expertise that he does, that God has trained him for. It takes just as much. And don't ever let the enemy tell you that, that you are secondary because of that. The Bible says, listen, he says, you are wise-hearted and I have filled you with the spirit of wisdom. And listen, diligence is important, but it's just as important that, that we, we work from a base of wisdom and we work smart. God said, I, I want you to sweat good, but I also want you to think good. And I have put this wisdom in your heart for ministry. There's a time to sweat, but there's time beforehand to think and make sure you have your tools and your resources. The scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes in verse 10, here's what it says, Ecclesiastes 10, 10. If the iron be blunt, in other words, the axe head is dull, and he do not wet, W-H-E-T, he's not putting it to a wetting stone. He hasn't sharpened it, and he has not sharpened the edge then must he put to more strength. He's wasting energy. The guy needs to stop. He needs to stop chopping and go sharpen the blade. You never waste your time when you sharpen the blade. I tell young people that. Listen, you you never waste time when you're sharpening the blade. Some people don't like to go to school. I I just want to get at it. No, no, no. you got to sharpen. There's a time of preparation. Sharpen the blade. You need, to know, you need to know where to hit and how to hit. You sharpen the blade. You're not wasting time with education. If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom knows where to put the pressure. It knows when to speak up. So here's what he's saying there. Force without an edge is ineffective. Work without wisdom is ineffective. Work smarter, not harder. It's, it's never wasting time to prepare. When Solomon wanted something done for the new temple and other things that he was building, he looked for someone with wisdom. There was a man named Hiram. He was a king of Tyre, which was a Phoenicia. He was an ally for King David and, and, and uh, Solomon. And here's what the Bible says. Notice this. Notice these words in 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 13. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Natali. And his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass. So here's this laborer. And this man was filled with wisdom and understanding. You see this? He was filled with wisdom and understanding. And he was cunning. 
I'll come back to that. Cunning to work all works in brass. Or cunning means a deep, thorough knowledge. He had this skill, but the Bible also says he, he had wisdom. He had knowledge, he had skill, and he had wisdom. When we bought our first house, we, we the house we live in now, Paula really liked it, and uh, she wanted it. And so I don't know anything about mechanics. I don't know nothing, anything. I don't know nothing, a double negative. I do know a little bit about English. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know nothing about houses and uh, building. But I do know people that know. And so uh, <clears throat> I asked Brother Fitzgerald, I said, Don, I said, I want you to come through and walk through our house. This is a house we're looking at. I don't know if you remember this, Don. But uh, it was just remarkable. Paula remembers this. Oh, big Don, he was lumbering through that house. He said, he'd stop. He walked back through it. He said, you hear that? I said, Don, I don't hear anything. He'd go back. You hear that? I think I do hear it. We, we had walked over that thing a bunch. We didn't hear anything. He said, a little creek right there. Remember that, Paula? A little creek right there. By the way, that creek is still there. <laughs> and he went all through our house on the inside and outside, and he found this list of things that my wife and I never found. We're writing things down. Can we live with this? Can we fix this? Do you know what this old boy needed? I needed some wisdom that I didn't have. And I was wise enough to know where I was stupid. And I needed somebody that was smart and had some insight. And a man of wisdom. And thank God a man that had some godly wisdom too. But a man of wisdom in this area to come in and help me. You know, there's some of you, you... You work in this ministry and, and you feel like a like a fifth wheel. You feel unimportant. Listen, God has given you insight. Don't don't you ever feel unappreciated? Don't don't you let the devil feel or, or tell you that you're unimportant? God has given you wisdom. Now, here, here's how this works. God has given everyone a spiritual gift. And within that spiritual gift, there's intuitiveness. Let me give an illustration. Those that have the gift of mercy, you are attracted to distress. And when you see a person in distress, it's like you have radar. Bang! That person's hurting. And you go to them and you want to serve them. God has given you, some of you, administrative gifts. And you are attracted or not attracted it bothers you when you see chaos, but you want to fix it. And you can fix it. And so, so your radar is up for those types of things. But do you know what happens sometimes? Within your intuitiveness, on the opposite side of that, there's criticism. And I could keep on illustrating a service. Some of you, God has given you gifts of service. You see all of these needs. Well, all of these people, why won't anybody help? And you see all of these things. Well, other people are helping. Maybe they're just doing one or two things, and you, you help in six or seven areas. And other people are helping, but not just like you are. 
And so the mercy shower gets upset because nobody else can see the people in distress. But you just walk by a lot of chaos. And you don't, it doesn't bother you with the chaos because of the, the distress. And the administrator just walked by all the people with, with distress. And if we're not careful, this is not a message on spiritual gifts. If we're not careful, we'll be at each other's throats because of how God has given us wisdom in each area. We don't want to do that. We need to appreciate each other and see how that we, we dovetail. But here's my point. Always have a teachable spirit. And humility is your friend to help you grow. I learned, I think it was Plato. He's not a Christian man, but he said something years ago that I liked. He said, everybody knows something I do not know. Therefore, everybody is my teacher. So I close with this. How are you growing in your ministry? How are, if, if God is giving you wisdom in an area, how are you getting better? How are you sharpening that? You can get better. Part of the joy in ministry is growth and wisdom and insight are aspects of growth. You need to get better and, and sharpen that area and get better in it. Those in the work of God need wisdom. God has given you wisdom, and I thank God for you. God has given us wisdom. Those in the will of God need wisdom. We need to walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly. Should you bow your heads with me today?